So as we get started this morning, uh, use a quick illustration to get us started. The last few weeks in Emmaus, as we've been working our way through the book of Hebrews, one of the illustrations we used was of a merry-go-round. So sometimes in life, it feels like you're going in circle on the merry-go-round, and at any moment, if you let go, you're just going to get thrown off. Like life feels chaotic, life feels difficult, you're going in circles, you're going to get thrown off. And we talked about holding firm to your confession, drawing near to, Lord's, to the Lord so you don't get flung out, thrown away in life because of everything that's going on. Let me use another playground illustration this morning. How many of you in elementary school on the playground, you dominated the teeter-totter or the seesaw? You know, if you call the, the old teeter-totter or, or seesaw. They may have outlawed those things. I don't know at this point in the world if they even allow teeter-totters anymore. But you would get going on both sides and you would get your friend on the other side and they would jump on it and, you know, fling you up. And so the teeter-totter works when both extremes, both sides, work together to make, to make that toy work. I think there's an analogy there for church, because what you find in the Christian life and what you find in church is it's easy for us to go to one extreme or the other, to go one direction or the other. And let me throw out what I mean by that. Some people are what we're going to call head people, okay, or churches are head churches. These are churches that love the Bible study. These are people that every time there's a book to read, there's a Bible study to show up, like they love to learn new things. They value learning new things. Some people are what we're going to call heart people, okay? They're emotional. These are the churches you attend, and it feels good, and there's big energy, and you come out of there crying, and like, and, and some people just love that. Some people are heart people, some people are hands people. Like, they just want to serve people. You know, uh, skip the Bible study, skip the worship service. Like, their goal is to go out and serve people. And what you find is the body of Christ, churches, are made up of people that tend to be in one of those three camps. And I'm here to tell you that is okay. Like, in fact, that is a good thing. But the reality is we need all three of those. So some of you are like, I just want to learn. Like, I just love to learn. Give me another book. Give me another Bible study. I eat up the head stuff. Some of you are super frustrated there were only three psalms this morning. Like, you come because you love the psalms, you love the worship, you love that feeling. Some of you are like the lady that was at the, so our teenagers, their project this morning, get this, this is what they did, they're going to complain for the whole year about this, but I sent them into that backfield where we're going to have t-ball and soccer practices going on in the spring, and there was a ton of rocks out there, and our teenagers are out there picking up rocks out of that backfield, okay? So they've been doing that all morning. Uh, you know, it's, that's, that's manual labor. Like, that's how you grow is as a teenager, having to pick up the rocks out, out of the backfield. And there was a person back there who will not be named. I'm not going to throw them out there. They're like, and I like picking up these rocks more than I like listening to your sermons, Owen. So <laughs> it's like, all right, well, tell me how you feel about it. Like, it's okay. I can handle that. So they're just like, and, and what they meant by this, if I filter that in a healthy way through what they meant by that, they just meant, I just love to serve. Like, I would rather be doing something. And some people feel that way. You come and you sit through the worship service. And it's not that you don't mind it. Like, you're, you're good to be here. But you're like, just send me out to do something. Okay. I use that long illustration to say, as the church, we want to be a church committed to God's word, getting God's word into our heads. We want to be a church that responds with faith and worship with our hearts to God. 
And we want to be a church that goes out and lives out our faith with our hands, that we go out and do things to show that. And these verses we're going to look at this morning help us to bring all of those things together. Okay, verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 5. Here we go. We're going to think about how do we bring all of those pieces together. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. The preacher, the author says, About this we have much to say to you, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Whoa, there you go. There's a, there's a Bible verse for you. So uh, let's take that Bible verse apart. Let's look at the different parts of it. It begins with this phrase, about this. So what's he talking about, about this? He's pointing them back to Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. And, and particularly, he's pointing them back to verse 10, where we've learned about Jesus has come as a priest according to the priesthood of Melchizedek. And you think, what in the world does that mean? And the people who first heard this thought, what in the world does that mean? Like, there's a lot more to be said about this. And, and in fact, the author is going to get around to it in verse 7, or I mean chapter 7. So if you stick around Emmaus for a couple of weeks, we're going to get around to about this. What does it mean for Jesus to be a priest according to the order of Melchizedek? So about this, what does he say? We have much to say to you. However, it's hard to explain. And then you expect him. If you're just reading through this verse, it's hard to explain. You expect the next phrase to be because it's complicated, because it's a deep theological idea. Except what does he say at the end of verse 11? He says, it's hard to explain because you have become dull of hearing. Ouch. <laughs> um, Hear that from the Bible. I'm not saying that you're dull of hearing. I'm just saying that's what, that's what Scripture says right here. I can't tell you all of this theology I want you to hear because you're dull of hearing. That is a fascinating biblical word up there, this idea of dull of hearing. What it means is someone who is slow to respond, someone who is sluggish, someone who is spiritually lazy, uh, when you look at the ancient literature and places where this word is used in ancient literature, it's used in reference to children whose ears, it says, are stuff stopped up because they refuse to respond when you tell them to do something. Nobody in here knows anything about that, do you? So <laughs> you, you tell your kids or your grandkids to do something and they just stare at you and, and they don't do anything. You're like, are your ears stopped up? Uh, can you not hear what I'm saying? Uh, many of us, know how to practice what's called selective hearing. Uh, some of you husbands in the room are like, you know, experts at selective hearing. I'm sorry I didn't do that. I just didn't hear what you, hear what you said. It's that kind of phrase. Uh, this word is used in ancient literature in reference to athletes who are out of shape. And so when the time of competition comes or when they're supposed to perform or when the gun goes off for the race to begin, their body just doesn't respond. Why? Because they've been spiritually lazy. They're out of shape. And so when the time to compete comes, they're not able to do this. And many of you think, yeah, I feel that in my body. Like previously in life, if I was going to do something athletic, my body would do what I wanted it to do. And now I'm old and my body doesn't respond the way I want to in those moments. All of this language comes back to the idea of I know what I'm supposed to do, I have a responsibility to do something, and yet I'm lazy. I hear it, but I don't do it. Now, why does this matter? Why is this a big deal? Because if you go back to the very beginning of the book of Hebrews in your Bible, and you look in chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, 
the whole book begins with God speaking. That long ago, and many times, and in various ways, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets. He ultimately has spoken to us through his son Jesus. He continues to speak to us through the scriptures. He continues to speak to us as the word of God is proclaimed in the church. The word of God is spoken, and what happens when the God of the universe speaks? We better listen and respond. When God speaks, we respond. When God speaks, our hearts are drawn to respond. And how do we respond? This is important. This morning's message is not a message about do more, try harder. This morning's message is about when the word of God speaks, we respond in faith and worship and obedience. It's his word that drives us. It's his word that empowers us. Let me give you a distinction that I'm going to come back to later in the sermon, but I think this is very important. The Christian life, the Christian life is about childlike faith, okay? When we think about the Christian life, God speaks to us. We hear the word of God. We hear the message of the gospel of salvation, and we respond with childlike faith. However, the Christian life is not about childish behavior, Okay, this is the distinction. We are supposed to be childlike, but we are not supposed to be childish. And that's the tension that runs through these verses. God, when you speak, I want to respond with faith. I want to trust you. I want to live my life for you. And as I do it, as I do that life, that Christian life, I want to grow in maturity. I want to grow in wisdom. I want to grow in living out my faith. Because if I don't do that, I'm going to miss all that you have for my life. So look at verse 12, because he keeps this idea going in in verse 12. In verse 12 he says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic oracles, or, or again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. Okay, so why is the preacher, why is the author so frustrated at this point? The reason he's frustrated, and hear hear this clearly, the reason he's frustrated is because these people have been in church for quite a long time at this point. Like, they've heard sermons. They know their Bible. They've been to Sunday school. They've done these things over and over and over again, and they still need to go back to the ABCs. (laughs) They still need to be retaught the basics of the Christian faith. And what he is telling them in a very direct way is, you've already learned those things. You know those things. You're in a position to be able to move ahead in your Christian faith. To go back to the basic principles of the faith is to go back to those ABCs of of the Christian faith. Anybody remember the uh, Alphabets cereal? You know, the cereal Alphabets with marshmallows was even good, Uh, even even better. I, I looked up this week. They stopped making Alphabet cereal in 2021. Like, that's what's wrong with our world now, is they don't make Alphabet cereal anymore. Uh, or, or like the Campbell's Alphabet Soup. Like, you need the ABCs. Like, we're in a position that we should be able to move ahead from the ABCs of the faith. We should be able to move on. What does it look like to move on? Aha, uh-huh. up at the top. By this time, you ought to be what? Teachers. Now, you may be thinking, whoa, time out, time out. I'm not a teacher. Like, I I can't teach anybody about the faith. The author of Hebrews says, if you know your ABCs of the Christian faith, you are absolutely in a position where you need to be teaching others. You need to be sharing with others what God has done in your life. So let's talk about this teaching idea, okay, for, for a minute. Because when you look at the Bible, what you find in the Bible is you find a very formal 
kind of teaching, and you find what we're going to call informal teaching, just more basic teaching. So when you think about the idea of teaching in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is ultimately our teacher. He leads us into all truth. Jeremiah 31 in the Old Testament talks about when the new covenant comes, that we're not going to need just as humans to be teaching one another. It's the Spirit of God who will be living in us and teaching us. And so, so the Holy Spirit teaches us. Who are teachers in, in our church? Every one of us. Everyone who is a follower of Jesus is a teacher because God has spoken into your life. He has worked in your life, and you're able to turn around and share that with others. You're able to build them up and encourage them and share with others what God's doing in your life. Here's the other reality. Do you know how to find out whether or not you really know something? You teach somebody else how to do it, or you teach somebody else. If you want to figure out how good your theology is, sign up to teach third grade Sunday school. Like, that'll keep you on your toes. Like, that, that'll keep you learning. Like, make sure you know what's going on. I love when I see our teenagers and our college students and our young adults teaching our younger ones because they're learning in the process. They're learning what it is. Like, what has God done in my life, and how can I turn around and teach others, share with others. In the church, you also have some, f- some formal leaders, some Sunday school teachers, Bible study leacher, t- leaders. James chapter 3, verse 1 is a verse in your Bible that says, not many of you should be teachers because those who teach will face greater judgment and greater scrutiny. And this is one of the places where people who don't particularly like the Bible and are always trying to find contradictions, they'll, they'll point out a contradiction here. Because you have James chapter 3, verse 1, that says, not many of you should be teachers. And then you have Hebrews chapter 5, or Matthew chapter 28 in the Great Commission, that says, all of you should be teachers. And so you're like, well, well, which one is it? Well, it has to do with what type of teaching you're doing. There is a formal type of teaching in the church that only a few are supposed to be doing. But there is an informal, person-to-person type of teaching that every person in this room is called to. That you are called to teach others what God has done in your life. So on that, let me point out two extremes here. Let me point out two extremes. One extreme is the person who only receives the Word of God. They sign up for every Bible study. They read every book. They listen to bot radio everywhere they drive. They listen to every sermon at home on their, on their phone or on their computer. Like, they're just constantly receiving, 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 and they're never teaching, never sharing, never do anything with that. Be, be careful about that, that approach. The other approach is the person who thinks they're the know-it-all. <laughs> like, they're the, they're, like, they hear, go be a teacher, and they're like, oh, yeah, you, you, know, you let that person loose, and then people are like, oh, back off, too much, too much. Um, so there is an extreme that says, I only want to receive, and I'm not doing anything with it. And then there's the person over here that teaches, and they're like, yeah, let maybe just be a little more humble and teachable along the way. The key is, though, if you've sat in church for a while, you're ready to be a teacher. You are called to share with others what God has done in your life, what God is speaking to you. And I would just encourage you in your own heart to think, what's my next step with that? If I've sat in church for years, if I've received the word of God for years, what is my responsibility? What is God calling me to do to share that with someone else? Not in a prideful way, not in a sit down and lecture them sort of way, but what is God calling me to do to teach others? Now, he has one more hard statement here, okay? Middle of verse 12, going down into 13, he's got another hard statement here to say. 
these people that should be teachers by now, he's going to call them something else. Middle of verse 12. He says, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. Yikes. <laughs> he says, you should be teachers by now, but you're acting like infants. You're acting like children. You, you just need milk over and over again. What's the imagery of milk mean here? Well, milk, you're being consumeristic. There's no chewing. There's no work. You're just receiving the milk. It's the difference between having to be spoon-fed in your Christian faith and being able to feed yourself and feed others. It's, it's always receiving. Uh, pastor and professor named Herschel York, he has this great phrase where he says, nothing is cuter than a baby, at least most babies, uh, <laughs> Some babies, not so much, but uh, don't tell anybody I said that. Um, nothing is cuter than a baby, but nothing is more troubling than an adult who acts like one. Nothing is cuter than a baby, and yet nothing is more troubling than an adult who acts like one. In our Christian life, we are called to childlike faith, but we are not called to childish behavior. That we don't want to just subsist on milk. We don't want to just be spoon-fed and consumeristic and always taking he also says that if you're a child, you're unskilled in the word of righteousness. When you read the commentaries on, on this passage, they really struggle with defining exactly what this phrase means. But when it says unskilled in the word of righteousness, if you just needed to write down one word that kind of makes sense of that phrase, it's the word passive. So it's the idea that when you run into a difficult situ situation in life, or you get fearful, or you get persecuted, or you're tempted— you just stop going. You just stop moving ahead. And, and so this is the person that signs up for sports, or they sign up for band, and they make it like three practices, and it's way harder than they expected it to be, and they're just done. Like, they're, they're, they're backing away. And so unskilled in the word of righteousness means morally, in life, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I get scared, and I get passive, and I just back away, and I stop doing it. So a child, a baby, is a consumer and they're passive. They don't know how to move ahead in the Christian faith. Now, that's hard. Like, that's, that's hard to receive. Thankfully, there's a verse 14, okay? So verse 14 is what we really want to be. 12 through 11 through 13, we don't want to do that. Verse 14 is what we're aiming at. Here's what it says. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Mature people know how to make the right decision when they're faced with a critical circumstance or a difficult situation. So a mature person, when they face a hard moral decision, when they face difficulty in life, they know what direction to go. They know the right direction to go. Why do they know that? Because they're eating solid food. Like they're not subsisting on, on milk and Dr. Pepper and Doritos and Oreos. Nothing wrong with any of those options, but uh, it's just, it's not going to fuel you to do what you need to do in your life. There is solid food that they're consuming so that when they go out, they're living out the school of hard knocks. Like they're going through life and doing these difficult things and in the process building up endurance and building up strength for the Christian life. And man, I love that phrase up there. Trained by constant practice. That's a phrase that has to do with endurance or stability or constancy in your life. Mature people, mature people at your workplace, 
mature people at your school, mature people in your family, mature people in your church, mature people, their life does not go like this all the time. They're not chasing every new thing. They're not being uh, blown from side to side. And a mature person knows that life has its ups and downs. And you know what they do? They just keep going. They just keep trusting in the Lord. They just keep moving ahead. And the more you do that, the more you pursue the Lord, the stronger you get. And those are the people you want in your life. That when something difficult comes along, when something hard comes along, they're not just flying to side to side. They just keep plowing ahead. They keep plowing ahead, and they show this is what it looks like to live out the Christian faith. Now, here's what this passage demands at this point. It needs a chart. Okay, if all else fails, you need a chart of some kind when you're, when you're doing your Bible study. My wife isn't in here because she's helping the youth, but you guys know if you've taken her Bible studies, she loves a good chart, especially a compare and contrast type, type of chart. So I have one up here on the screen for you. These verses, if you were doing these, uh, if you were studying these at home and you were writing your journal or you were doing, doing Sunday school work, here's the difference. There's immature on the left, mature on the right. Who are the immature people? They're sluggish and lazy. They still need to learn the ABCs. They're infants who, who are requiring milk, and they are unskilled in righteousness. The mature people, they, they are stable in their life. They're active in their Christian faith. They're teachers, not, not just infants receiving, but, but they're teaching others. They're consuming solid food. They have their powers of discernment built up. Now, when you look at those two, two lists, Number one, and I'm not going to make anybody raise their hand, number one is uh, which list do I fit under? Like which, which column do I fit under? That's between you and the Lord, okay? Nobody's raising their hand on, on that one. But it is an important question to ask. Which of those more defines my spiritual life, more defines my Christian life? Here's the more important question I want you to ask. What makes the difference? Like what puts someone in one of those columns or the other? And hear me out on this, because this is really important. This is, people can get discouraged at this point. The difference between those two is not your intelligence. It's not your, not your IQ. It's not your intelligence. It's not how much money you have. It's not your age. It's not your talent level. The difference between those two is responding in faith to the Word of God. That's the difference, that when God speaks into your life, when you hear the word of God, you receive it, and you respond with faith and obedience. That is the difference maker. That is what the Christian life is about. Remember, the Christian life is childlike faith, but not childish behavior. If you try to sum all this up, I want to give you a Bible verse from the Old Testament that kind of takes all of these points and sums them up. It comes from Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. And by the way, let me just throw this out there. I don't know that this would help anybody in the room, but it might. If you are ever in a situation where you're asked to lead a last-minute devotion, I don't know where that might happen for you. It could be with your family. It could be at work. It could be at school. I, I don't know what it is. If you're ever asked to lead a short, last-second devotion, write Ezra chapter 7, verse 10 in your Bible because it is so great. It's, it's easy to follow. It makes its own outline for you, and it's a really powerful verse about the Christian faith. What does Ezra do? Ezra had set his heart. So if you're giving the devotion, that's the time you talk about faith and devotion to the Lord. Ezra 
has devoted himself to the Lord and to, and to the word of the Lord. And what did he do as a result of that? He studied it, he put it into action, and he taught others. And when I think about our church, and when you think about your life personally, what do you want your life to look like? I want my life to be a life devoted in faith to the Lord. Lord, I need your word. I need your salvation. I need your strength. I need your grace. My heart is set on you. And I want to know you more. Like, fill up my head. I want to know the things of the Lord. I'm going to study those things. And then I want to go and put it into action. We don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word as well. Let me go out and do that. And as I go out and do what you called me to do, help me to teach others in the process that I am sharing with others what you have taught me and I've put into action. I want to turn around and share that with others. And man, let that be true of our church. Let us be a place that loves to study the word of God, that loves to go out and serve others, and that is going to teach others, teach one another about the good news of Jesus. And I hope the Lord will do that work in your heart, in your life. And if you're not a part of a church family, if you're not connected to a church family, we're not perfect. We got plenty of problems. I can tell you that. But that idea right there, head, heart, hands, that's who I want us to be. And by God's grace, we are that kind of church and help us to continue to be that kind of church. Let me pray over you. And then we're going to sing the doxology and you'll be dismissed to go out and, and live this out in your own life. And we'll be up here at the front to pray for you. If you bow your heads, I'd love to just pray over you for a few minutes. Or not a few minutes, let me say that, a few moments. And then we'll stand up and sing the doxology. Let's bow our heads. God, thank you for these verses from the book of Hebrews. Uh, these are some of my favorite verses in the entire book of Hebrews as they Tell us the difference between being childish and immature. God, none of us in here, none of us in here want to be childish and immature. We, we know too many other people in, in our lives in different areas that are they're adults by age, but they're just childish and immature in how they live. And God, we do not want to be that kind of people. We want to be mature. We want to be people of faith. And we know that's not about our strength. That's not about us putting forth more effort. It's about us trusting your Holy Spirit to save us and empower us and lead us in how we live. We want to hear your word and we want to respond. God, let us be people who love to study the Bible. God, that we would be people who value the word of God. That we would be people who put our faith into action. We don't want to be consumers. We don't want to just come and sit in a church service and then go out and live however we want to live. God, we want to hear your word, and it changes how we live our lives. And God, we are called to be teachers. God, I pray for the people that are in this room right now. I know they may think there's no way I could teach the Bible to somebody else. But God, I pray that they would be motivated to get to that point that they would know that when they know the ABCs of the Christian faith, when they know the basics, when they've trusted you by faith, they're in a position to turn around and share that with someone else. And God, let us be a church that loves to learn and a church that loves to encourage and build up one another. And God, help us in the days ahead that we would continue to be constant and stable and to grow in maturity. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.